welcome back to the third place. It's a special one, a bonus one. It is the official third place game of the year episode. Um, unfortunately, I could not do a game awards live watchathon last year, but this is a good consolation prize, I think. And I am joined by uh, the reigning champion of <laughs> this show, uh, six-time guest, literal, basically co-host of the show at this point. <laughs> You know, he he rec- he basically is now occupying about a tenth of this uh, show's uh, episode list. Uh, it's the wonderful Ryan. Uh, how are we doing today again? Hello, thank you for having me back. Uh, I'm like uh, I'm like Kyle's cousin on South Park. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm back. <laughs> no, I. <laughs> Listen, I can't keep you away from the show. Like you're yeah. you're you're. you're as much a part of this show as like uh i don't know <laughs> just talk you're you're you basically the essential one of the if not the most essential character of this show now um <laughs> so it's like and plus you were on last year's game of the game awards episode uh with lovely uh telepathy party yeah that was um funny. but so i was just like well i was i mean spyro was what like that was 2022 yeah that was october october and we're recording in 24 yeah well yeah we're this is officially the first episode of 2024 yeah Um, year three of third place so (laughs) no i love Um, the show it's always always an honor to be on yeah well i had to bring you back one for game of the game of the year but also our game of the year uh which obviously is alan wake 2 but before we uh, shoot our load about Alan Wake 2, um, <laughs> I want to recap 2023. Uh, uh, it was a was just a surprisingly good year for games. Like uh, I knew this year was was going to be better than most. Uh, I did not expect my uh, balls to be fondled and my dick to be jerked off by <laughs> several games this year. Um, specific, like games made for me and my my monkey brain. Uh, there are many, 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 many good games, and many of them I have not played. Uh, so technically, listen, before you ask me, I have not played Baldur's Gate 3. I will play it at one point. I'm sure it's a lovely game, but for now, it is temporarily off my list. But I will get to it once the physical version comes out. Um, I'm waiting for that to come out before I make my judgment on that and sign my life over to another RPG. <laughs> um but these, I'm going to talk about a few games this year that I genuinely loved, and I think everyone should play. Some of these I have already talked about on the show. Uh, you know, then they have their own little episodes dedicated. So if you want my full opinion on them, you can go listen to them. Uh, but the first one I want to mention is Hi-Fi Rush, which came out I think all the way in like January or February. I can't remember exactly, but. Uh, it's the one and only Xbox game <laughs> on this 25th. list. Yeah, yeah, it was a Shadow Drop game. They they announced it and they released it on the same day. Uh, I this was a g- genuinely amazing game that like everyone needs to play. Um, it's this very it is the epitome of the phrase. This is a PS2 game. Um, <laughs> it is lovable it's charming it's full of just whimsy and like just 
it's one of the most fun games I've ever played in recent memory, mostly because it takes two things I love, which is Devil May Cry and rhythm games and combines them into into one thing. And wow, it's really fun. Like, and it has music that I specifically love, which is like 90s rock music, like 90s and 2000s alt rock music. And uh, when you bookend your game's final boss with Nine Inch Nails, uh, you kind of are goaded up. I would just <laughs> say that. You know, when when your final boss is uh, the perfect drug by Nine Inch Nails. Uh, oh, sick. That is one of that is an inspired choice and the best choice you could ever make as a game dev. Um, but it has like a lot of great music also from nine inch nails, but there's like other ones like, uh, there's a great song they have from, uh, Oh my God, I'm blanking on the, it's a Japanese rock band. It's like, is an chain like girl or something. Uh, I feel like such a fake fan for, not remembering the name of this song but like <laughs> this game it you know the fact that it times like you know the beats of the song to your attacks on screen is such a it sounds like the dumbest idea ever and it wouldn't work but it somehow works and it it's funny it's got an amazing style amazing music i highly recommend it's probably dirt cheap right now uh everyone just uh oh yeah number girl uh it, it in a in a zawa chainsaw which is a great song but has like music from black keys uh the flaming lips fiona apple uh the prodigy oh, no way. What is what's this? the fiona apple song uh fast as you can okay uh and has a a joy formidable song also and it has worrying what what is so wild to me is that it has a song by the band that Billy Corgan made after Smashing Pumpkins broke up, which is Swan. Like you put a Swan song as your credits theme, you are goaded up. Like that is so cool. Like I really can't say how cool this game is. It's it just play it. Like I, I I keep saying that for many games I talk about. Just play this game. Like you will not regret it. It's probably like ten dollars now. Um, next one I want to talk about RE4 remake. I've already spilled my beans about that one uh, when I talked with Sterling back in April. It is Resident Evil Four, but again, so like I don't need to tell you anything more about it. Uh, I was hoping to play this one specifically to like talk about on this, but uh. Never got around to it. Yeah. Other than like my, it like brought my brother out of uh my younger brother out of like gaming retirement, and he was yeah. like calling me every like other day to just say how great it is. Yeah, I mean, I think it's safe to say, and, and I'm I think I am documented on one podcast, might have been mine, might have been Zach's, where I said I was afraid of this remake because I thought they were going to change it for the worse. But guess what? They didn't. They honored the things that people love about the original. They change things up that make it fresh and exciting. And there are things you think you wouldn't be in the game are actually in the game. And, you know, I I can't believe it. Just one way I know when a game is good 
is if I immediately start playing it right after I beat it. This was a game that I immediately went back and tried beat again. And I've gone through this game three times, I think, uh, since beating, since, you know, getting it. Oh, damn. So, so uh, if you want my full opinion on it, just listen to that episode. It's, <laughs> and and it, you you scream every time at every jump scare. Yeah. <laughs> on, on every on every repeat <laughs> yeah exactly um but yeah and especially now um that the separate ways dlc was released in the fall like there's which also by the way is amazing too like sure ada's still kind of a wet rag and it's all the voice actress's fault um <laughs> but at least they gave her fun one-liners like i'll give her that um basically separate ways includes everything that they didn't include in the base game and it's just like wow by 10 out of 10 game it became an 11 out of 10 like i, I yeah resident evil 4 remake equally stands with the original which is a feat in of itself and i can't believe that that game is real um i can't wait for a resident evil 5 remake when they make sheva in 4k and i lose my mind <laughs> and they remove the the racism you think they will? I, I don't have, know how you could. I don't. I don't think you can. It's, it's no. Li- it's like it's, baked into the entire premise. Yeah, unless they increase more white zombies. But I, I just said uh, I just looked up Sheva and immediately brings up her like <laughs> her like alternate outfit of her and her tribal outfit. Her, yeah, cheetah bikini. It, uh, what that would not carry over, sadly. But hey, if they. If they, I have faith that if they were to like do her new design over, they would do it right. Cause they did, they did Ada right. They did Leon right. They did Ashley right. Like they did everything right for RE4. So I'm willing to believe that they can do it for RE5 if and when they do it. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one game that I want to talk about is Final Fantasy 16 briefly. I did an episode of that with Steven and Colin back in August. Everyone should play that. I still stand by pretty much everything I said that this is one of the better Final Fantasies in recent memory. And um, recently had a new DLC pack campaign or mission came out and it's I haven't gotten to it, but I heard that it basically just adds a really super hard boss, which is great. Like that's something that the game needed was a little bit of difficulty. Um, yeah, I still stand by it. It's Final Fantasy meets Devil May Cry. Uh, what else could more you want in life? <laughs> uh, Clive is still such a fantastic protagonist for the series or the game. And yeah, people are still getting mad about this game months later. And I still think it's hilarious. What are they upset about? Well, they're upset about everything. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like the, this game. The, here's the here's the thing about Final Fantasy games. The new game gets dogged on. The last entry gets some people saying maybe it wasn't that bad, and then mm. the one before that is like actually this was actually great from the start. And I don't know why people hated on it. So Final Fantasy 16 is in the phase of yeah, it sucks. Uh, phase of criticism. Uh, like okay. some people were like, cause it's like very linear and it's very light on RPG. And I'm just like, it has enough RPG f- parts about it. 
It has enough uh, action gameplay in it. I'm there for the story and this like Game of Thrones esque Final Fantasy game, and it's fun. It's cool, and it's cool to see a game where a like a leading hero does heroic things, and like you know, it just falls on classic Final Fantasy isms, and it's just a blast and. You know, I still stand by everything I said about it. Like, I, it's a must-play if you have a PlayStation. Like, just do yourself a favor. Buy it. Play it. Enjoy it. It's probably going to think it's like $40 now, so. The only thing I have to say about it is that uh, it, it gave Game Informer one of their, like, better covers in a while. Mm-hmm. Magazine covers. The art for it, the, the art for it is superb. Like, all the you know, artistic pieces made for the game are just like unreal. Like they're beautiful. So heck, you could just print out one of those those magazine covers and just put it on your wall. <laughs> you can look at Clive's beautiful face for hours, like I have. Hell yeah. Uh another one I wanted to mention was Armor Cord 6. Yes, I still have not beaten it. Sorry video games exist. I too many video games exist. Um. Yeah, it's still like I still stand by what I have said about what I've played about it. It's from software, so you know it's Kino. Uh, it's really cool to see FromSoft doing like a mecha game again with their beloved franchise. I'm still so happy that it sold really well. I'm glad to see that people were connecting with it, and. One thing I'm glad is that it seemingly is rebirthing everyone's love for mecha games. Like that is a genre that has been dead too long for, you know, way too long. And I'm glad that Armor Core 6 was like a big moment for mecha games and still has one of the best boss songs I've ever heard. One nice. of, one of my fa- personal favorite boss fights in general and it's like one of the first major one is still like so fun. Uh, literally getting my shit kicked in like 20 times. I'm just like, I love masochism in video <laughs> games. Um, unfortunately, I will say I did not get a chance to play Bomb Rush Cyberpunk before this episode. It lit my copy arrives tomorrow. Uh, That's exciting. So I am sorry that I could not give my take on, uh, uh jet set radio future uh spiritual successor uh i'm sure you will see my posts talking about the game later this week uh yeah i'm trying to think i mean there's so many great games that like came out and and there's some that i didn't even play like the dead space remake was pretty good i heard too uh baldur's I played Gate 3. the uh the shittier dead space that Callisto protocol Oh uh, yeah, yeah, the, that one that came out around the same time and everyone <laughs> forgot. Did that come out did that come out this year? Yes, it did. Oh, no, no, okay. it came out a month it came out a month before. Okay. So well, back in I, December. I got my PS5 just for Alan Wake too when uh I tried to get on the PC and it like crashed my PC. So then I was just like stressed for like five days and just got a PS5. And I think like Callisto was like one of those PS plus games of the month so i just like played the shittier dead space whatever side project uh, it yeah. was fun but uh 
Yeah, I wish I played a uh, because I loved like Dead Space. Those games are fun. Yeah, Jeez. they scare the ever living shit out of me. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I'm trying to think of. God, there's so many. I mean, obviously, I know, I know people love their Tears of the Kingdom. Still haven't gotten to it. One day I will. Oh, have you I not st- played it? No. Yeah, that's uh, only one of three games released this year I played. Uh, I I know you specifically wanted to mention uh, American Bulgaria's worst game of the year. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, which is Spider Man Two. Yeah, well, I mean, they'll because the only three games I played that came out this year was Alan Wake Two, which which I loved. That's that's the best. I I'll say Tears of the Kingdom was the other one. Um, because mm-hmm. I liked Breath of the Wild. I mean, I like all the the LG ones that are more like. The, the more standard like Zelda fair of like going from temples, you know, mm-hmm. um, in the N64 era is like my preferred way to play Zelda, but I liked breath of the wild for what it was. And tears of the kingdom is basically the same thing. What I did, like I was kind of negative about it because it, it didn't really bring too much new mm-hmm. um, to, it just felt like more of like an expansion pack, mm-hmm. which with, uh, allegedly is what it was originally. Then they just turned it into a, a full game at least yeah from my memory i think i will say when i was thinking about it today i i actually liked it more than i thought because it, it reminds me of um the what's the studio ghibli uh nausicaa mm-hmm. which is probably my favorite of like studio ghibli mm-hmm. um it clearly took a lot of inspiration from that um mm-hmm. in the way i mean the best part everyone talks about like how you can like just build shit you know, the whole like building system in Tears of the Kingdom, which mm-hmm. to me, I don't know if you're one of those like autistic people who like likes doing that shit, like the little big planet sort of like building shit. Um, fine. I can see like people making cool things other than, than like the dick machines. They were like posting like the first week when the game release. Mm-hmm. But the coolest thing about Tears of the Kingdom was the like sort of three tiered levels of like there's like the the sky world and like the the ground level then like the underworld. And how those overlapped and it, it, the way it like kind of seamlessly jumped between them all. Um, mm-hmm. That was actually pretty sick. I thought that was like kind of more groundbreaking than the building system. But that's, yeah, it's a it's a good game. But if, if I were to play more, it probably wouldn't even go on my ranking. Because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the third one that you mentioned, Spider-Man 2. Because I got the PS5 that like came with like the download code for Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I remember like the like the, the original like Spider-Man 2 and like PS2, like that Spider-Man 2 that like introduced like web sling that like blew everyone's mind. Like I remember getting that and how fun that was. And this is like a fun game, but it's just so it's so like aggressively corny. It's so just obnoxious it, it, embarrassing to play. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> I God. love that phrase. <laughs> it's it's awful. <laughs> It, there's like a cutscene where um you're one of one of the two spider-man because there's like the regular guy and they're all butt ugly too it has that that like new trend of like every character has to be butt ugly um the one of the two spider-man was like talking with his high school buddies and like they all knew sign language to speak to like their sign language friend Mm-hmm. oh yeah i've heard about this scene that scene where i just like kind of i just turned it off I'm like dude i can't do this <laughs> yeah it 
it's funny. All I've heard is that like, oh yeah, the Peter stuff is okay, but the Miles stuff is just annoying. Yeah, because he's like black Hispanic, and it just kind of, uh, dude, it's just corny. It's just corny. Yeah, it's yeah, it's just slop, and yeah. it looks pretty. Like on a technical level, I'm like, yeah, that's pretty impressive. Like you know what I mean? But it is an impressive game. Like, yeah, it, it's pretty. I love the. Um, I'm new to PS5, so like the whole like haptic, like the way that the controller vibrates and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that about Spider-Man too. That like you like feel every like little vibration is like kind of neat. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that's all you can really say. I mean, yeah, I I don't think I'll ever play Spider-Man too. I had fun with the first one. I was like, this is neat. Like, there's some cool things about it, but yeah, it didn't didn't hold my interest. Unlike the mass population, uh, <laughs> did so. Good for you if you enjoyed Spider-Man 2. It's not for me. Um, <laughs> let's see. Another thing, another trend of this year was leaks. Uh, specifically mm. Rockstar. Rockstar can't win, and neither can Insomniac. Speaking of Spider-Man, Insomniac can't win, and Rockstar couldn't win. Where GTA 5 source code leaks online right at Christmas... And then Insomniac's whole like next ten years of existence leaked online. That was what a time no to be alive. Yeah, the I missed the Insomniac one. Yeah, the Insomniac got Oh Insomniac Spider Man. Yeah. Okay. They got hacked with a ransomware attack. And the hackers were like, well, the- give us two million dollars or we're leaking all of this online. And they're like, No, you no, we're not paying that. And they're just like, Okay. So they post it a gameplay footage of in development stuff of their Wolverine game (laughs) in like the next 10 years of games that they're making. Okay. It it was insane. I can't believe that happened still. Wolverine dude. Wolverine had a, there's a fun one in the PS2 era, like an M rated one that I remember being like Mm -hmm. kind of, I mean, I was little, so I remember feeling scared (laughs) playing it, but yeah, and I saw the in I saw the leaks, and the Wolverine game does not inspire me much. But it also is. <laughs> He's gonna be in. doing sign language with his fucking claws, dude. I have. I hope not, but we'll, we'll see. I guess when it comes, it's literally said it's gonna come out in twenty twenty six. So, all right, start the clocks for two years from now, because <laughs> uh, we ain't seen that game for a long time. And then the yeah, GTA five source code leaking online was funny just seeing all the the proposed ideas that they were going to do for that game and then didn't happen was really depressing <laughs> uh allegedly there was going to be a sequel to bully that they canceled that's a bummer uh, dude they there was like photos of their their canceled game agent uh that was sad to see uh, which was supposed to be like a spy thr- a spy action game that they were making. Mm. Uh, that never came to fruition. Uh, yeah, then Bully 2, and then all the DLCs that they wanted to do for GTA 5 that they didn't do, uh, including a DLC that would let you go on back to Liberty City and play in Liberty City, uh, which made me Interesting. go... F- which made me go feral. Like... <laughs> I love Liberty City and GTA 4, and the fact that we were robbed of that hurts my heart. 
Yeah, we're getting Mud Girl though. So yeah, we're getting Mud Girl. Like that's a positive. Only Mud... fans content creator reveals new cosplay of Mud Girl. Okay. Yeah. Oh baby. <laughs> Me and Ryan were discussing Mud Girl from GTA 6's trailer, and we're like, she's actually the greatest thing to come out of that trailer. She really is, and I and I'm and it, I think a lot of people caught on to that too. <laughs> Listen, Lucia is great and all. You know, she's a big booty Latina, Latina, but <laughs> you, you can't deny uh, Mud Girl for the three seconds she's on camera. It's funny, yeah. There's a lot of like girls thrown at you, like the twerking, twerking ladies, and uh, the twerking motifas. The sort as of I like call them. lighter skin. Megan the Stallion looking lady. Mm-hmm. Uh but yeah, Mud Girl reigns supreme. Yeah, it that's that's why I, I know last supremacy. time I did I know I last time on this episode Jack was making his defense, his uh Hillary Clinton anti Grand Theft Auto stance, which you know I'm all for. <laughs> but I will say I don't know, GTA six looks promising, at least from that that trailer. Um I still love that no matter the decade we live in gta 5 will cause a controversy and uh people are just like oh my god like everything we're seeing is so you know uh offensive and it's sexualized and that's like that's what gta 5 gta has been for the past like 30 years that's the best part about it it's funny um yeah i haven't listened to parasite eve one yet uh but I know Jack was was talking about like GTA's like influence, and it's like now that I'm what I'm 32 now, like I have a younger cousin mm. who's like getting into the gaming, and I actually had a thought, I'm like, dude, I don't want him playing GTA. <laughs> like, I, I don't want him on GTA, mainly GTA Five online. Like, I feel like that's the even worse and the worst part of like the the GTA sphere. Um, yeah, that's the truly mind numbing brain sludge thing. Yeah, um, but I'm. I don't know. I'm excited. The, the the like the Grand Theft Auto humor is um the way it tries to work it, like social commentary. It's I hit feel, or miss. Yeah, and I feel like more and more it's it kind of has like that John Stewart sort of like critique of America where it's like it I don't know. It has Isn't a, this so crazy what Americans do? Exactly. It's like this isn't all this freedom just violent and crazy and just nuts and it, like they allow this in America and G- well, also, like, that's the, the most fun part about it. G- um, GTA 4, I think, finds a perfect balance of it. GTA 4, yeah. Like, no 5 five is just over the top, and it can get grating at times. I have a love-hate with 5. Like, sometimes I hate 5, but then sometimes I'm like, I respect the vision. I um, hate 5 that it's, like, kind of still running, and, like, they've, like, put so much of their resources into it and it's the infinite money machine but to its credit though they they really kind of nailed the mechanics of it to make it last that long like they did something right for it to last you know yeah we're every generations at this point everyone keeps buying it yeah um gta 4 i think finds a good balance of the humor i will say in my opinion the humor uh, well because it's also like the saddest one like nico's a sad he's like one of the, the best sad boys of, of gaming yeah, I love Nico. I was talking about with Logan today, actually, where it's like Nico. Nico does some of the worst stuff in the universe of the game, but he's like genuinely one of the more like positive elements of it. 
where like like Nico like Nico doesn't know how what to do to get rich and you have like you know he, he just feels like the least greedy character while he's also doing all these like horrible things and it's it's Nico feels like when they really tried to kind of combine what it feels like to be a player of GTA in and then like create a character for a GTA world like sort mm -hmm. of in a, in a real ish setting like not realistic but like close to real as you can get yeah it's it's interesting and but yeah GTA 6 I hope I hope it turns out good uh I'm glad that it still causes controversy I still have hope for it just merely because it's so big and its demographic is a you know every hood rat black guy loves GTA so <laughs> Uh, I personally loved seeing all the like, uh, big Lizzo's on screen. I was like, "Yep, that's real." Like, you know, they can get away with it because they can't pretend at anything else. Yeah, that it is what it is. Yeah, but Mud Girl reigns supreme. <laughs> I love Mud Girl. She's uh, it's funny. She's kind of uh, Riku like. She's like, <laughs> bring it back. <laughs> we gotta bring Riku outfit back. and the hair. She's uh. She's the American Riku. Yeah, I mean, I can't believe dreams do come true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think the... the even though this didn't come out this year, I know the the one other thing you've been into uh, was FF7 Remake, specifically... Oh my God, spe I've been... Specifically Tifa. I couldn't... Dude, I couldn't... I couldn't believe that. Um, that they kept, like, Tifa's polygon proportions <laughs> in the remake um she is so breasty yeah she's uh, got big beautiful bouncing on on top of like all the rest that the game does really well like because okay I, I got the ps5 for Alan Wake 2 and on Black Friday I upgraded my PlayStation Plus to like whatever the second tier is which comes with like a whole new catalog of free games and i had a moment where i was like do i want to play devil may cry 5 final fantasy 7 or um final fantasy 16 and when i went to buy 7 that's when i saw that it's free on the ps plus x or whatever so i got that mm -hmm. and then that came with like the mc5 and all that shit too mm -hmm. um and i didn't expect i knew like i knew it was gonna be good but i didn't think it'd be that good like i'm i'm midway through it right now or like half over halfway it's really good. Um, mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to play it after we're done. <laughs> if we end at like two or three in the morning. I'm, I'm going to jump on because I just have to. Yeah. I mean, it beckons to you. It does. It's it, it is really good. Well, you you um, in your interview for the man issue, you mentioned two sneak, games. Sneak peek, by the way. Sneak peek. Yeah. You mentioned two games that gave you hope for the future of gaming, which was DMC5 and final yeah. fantasy remake mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because they granted their well i mean remake is a remake five is an extension of an older series but both of them seem to get back to the basics of what makes gaming good yeah well and... also like having a really impressive set of mechanics and mm -hmm. complex systems they're gorgeous like they're they seem like next gen 
Yeah. Even though DMC5 was last gen, but they yeah. they they seem next gen while also getting back to the simple like the basics of gaming. Um, yeah, make make a compelling loop through gameplay, whether it's simple or complex, and then but then deliver on a story that like is both captivating in the moment, but like has like a, has a energy behind it and it has a vision behind it. And each, both of those games really do ooze that when you play it, like, and they're both different in how they accomplish it. Seven remake does it in a way where it's like, obviously it's remaking a beloved classic, but you can tell that the people in charge of it were they they knew what it meant to millions of people who played seven so they knew what they had to bring over but they knew at the end of the day like you can't just one to one copy final fantasy 7 in 2020 when it came out you have to like make a stand on like this property do something new and interesting and they did. Mm-hmm. And to see like, oh yeah, a Final Fantasy game has like, you know, something to say about itself as a Final Fantasy game. You know, it, it was so refreshing at the time. I was like, this beautiful hyper hyper detailed world realized in this manner is unreal to experience. And I yeah thoroughly excited for the second game in february yeah i'm hyped same same thing with like alan wake 2 is like when you're playing it it's like the people who made this are both like competent and like confident in their vision and it's that it's so refreshing to just have Mm -hmm. like just totally just competence like they're just making it such a good product Mm -hmm. um and they're really kind of going out there in certain (laughs) ways you know we're talking about the honeybee inn on uh the final fantasy 7 remake um this whatever when when cloud like cross dresses and dances <laughs> and not only do like they add that but like it's like one of like the most like you can tell a lot of production went into that oh <laughs> like, yeah like it's the amount of like competence that goes into this is just really inspiring yeah like any one of any other developer would have just phoned this in but no squares like we are going to make this even better than the original and make sure that we capture what you loved about getting all the clothes for cloud and like making it even more detailed where it's like, depending on how I talk to Tifa or Aerith, like it dictates the clothing I'm going to wear to that moment. Mm -hmm. And then they deliver on a weird bizarro rhythm game, like just to like add even more pizzazz to it. I'm just like, how is this game? How is this game real? Like that's like bonkers. Like yeah, that a major major AAA game, like bothered to put so much love and care into this one little seek sequence is like beyond me. It's like I'm so happy that it's real. Me too. Uh, um, and I'm glad that remake Tifa is real. Remake Tifa is the greatest. I mean, re- remake. Riku. I mean, all the characters in remake look un unreal looking. Like, yeah, Cloud's a, a pretty pretty woman too. Yeah, Cloud's a Cloud's got a nice honker too. <laughs> Cloud's got a nice rear end. 
Yeah. Uh, and uh, but yeah, Aerith's beautiful too. Barrett, they made Barrett look un like crazy good looking. Like mm-hmm. it's it's kind of insane how they nailed they just nailed it. And I I'm uh, can't wait to sign my life over for a hundred hours to play Rebirth in February. Can't wait, guys. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna lose my mind. Um, oh, man. But yeah, I think we're here for the main topic, which is Alan Wake 2. So let's just get into Alan Wake 2. Yes. All right. So here's our game of the year, everyone. Alan Wake 2. Sixteen hours—that's pretty good. Yeah, I, they're. I wonder where they are. They're def, They're obviously on the saga part. Mm-hmm. It's like <laughs> that was the one thing. Is like the weapon upgrades. I'm like, some of them are really good. And I was like, which one do I pick? <laughs> but I always love how Alan narrates Saga upgrading her weapons, like it's part of the story. Too. Oh, he writes that in. Yeah, yeah they, such, they thought such, of everything. Yeah, such a clever little detail. Where okay, so so she's in right uh after looks like right after you meet Alan on the beach because she's exp- okay. this person's this person's exploring uh the forest for stuff. Oh my god. I spent way too long in that area. Like, yeah, I, was, I I searched and I, I didn't think I'd like you come back to it or be able to yeah i didn't know that i was and then i saw all the like stuff with bolt you know locks and bolt cutters i'm like god Mm -hmm. damn it yeah and i still miss shit yeah so our me and ryan's game of the year alan wake 2 came out back in october 27th uh i remember having the hardest time rationalizing buying this because it was digital only but I eventually caved in to peer pressure because I could not miss another Remedy game and I couldn't miss the sequel to Alan Wake because me and Ryan are one of like 10 people who genuinely love Alan Wake 1 for what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I remember when Alan Wake 2 was revealed back in 2021 
at the game awards and i was like oh they're going survival horror oh they're doing some fucked up shit i'm like i'm sold from moment one and i am so happy that i the one time that i have bent the knee for a digital only game was i ever more right to do so because alan wake 2 it's one of it's the best game of 2023 it's one of the best games in my opinion of the past like 10 years at least it's so this, good this it's hard to quantify why this game i mean we're going to try our best but it's hard to quantify and explain why Alan Wake 2 is such an amazing game but it just it it's this weirdo bizarro survival horror adventure tv series movie experience that i really feel yeah. like i have not played a game like this really ever i mean closest is other remedy games in all honesty but even then like this feels so distinct from their own catalog it's such a drastic diff- different experience than the first Helen wake by a landslide it is it it's this like big budget experimental like art piece game at time most of you know, pretty much the entire way through mm-hmm. it's this loving homage to twin peaks and uh, x files and true detective it you know it's got things that you would expect from remedy top <laughs> top tier storytelling acting musical performances <laughs> um it's I don't, like it's truly a one of a kind game and I knew from the moment that you start playing it I was like all right I'm this is Kino like I already called it from moment 1 I knew that I was going to this was going to be my be- favorite game of the year it was from moment 1 so I don't yeah, know that, what you, that yeah. intro's wild it's the cuz I I I mean we did like our remedy month and I I can't believe that was this last year that seems so long ago but that was uh last march mm-hmm. and i always I, I felt that like the max Payne one intro was one of the wildest things in gaming that really hasn't been topped in terms of like such a gut punch mm-hmm. with with the dead baby and the you know it opens with you seeing your family your, your wife and your kid get murdered by these mm-hmm. junkies um and then alan wake 2 starts and <laughs> you're this fat naked guy with penis and everything like (laughs) i mean uh, what game opens on you playing as an overweight naked man running through the forest that's where when uh when that game dropped and uh i was playing on pc like broken i only got like five minutes in because the game started glitching out but like the first five minutes were fine and as soon as you got the saga it's funny to think that um everyone during that time who's playing that game and downloaded it you just know the first thing they're doing is like trying to turn the camera around to see if you can like see yeah your, I did. your guy's dick I tried. <laughs> yeah. but then the, and game, on, the game delivers and shows you the penis yeah yeah if you're playing on p you see i mean i guess on like on controller you could like you can turn this turn the camera around fast enough mm-hmm. before the character can turn around but uh pc you can like flip it around and see see enough to see is like his little dick you know (laughs) listen um 
that that oh my god it's such an incredible intro um yeah and it's such a which tonal is the it's such a tonal uh, different opening from the first game well i mean yes because the first game has the sort of stephen king campy and, and the biggest complaint of the first one which was ridiculous was that it, it's not scary it's not a true survival horror because it's not scary enough and well it yada, never yada. it was never marketed as that it was psychological thriller <laughs> right um but this is a scary game like all the marketing let you know that this game is it delivering on that front and especially where the true detective influence comes in um that that's where a lot of the genuinely like horrifying aspects of it come in and just tonally it's just it's frightening um yeah i mean because our our alan wake one episode was like the the theme of that was like homage Mm -hmm. and how remedy wears its influences on its sleeve and they do the same with alan wake too but it really like they really um from the get-go you know that's different yeah in as a game like there's nothing else like it Mm -hmm. um even though you, you can point to all of its influences, you can point to like true detective. Um, like you said, like the return, uh, David Lynch is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way that the, all the multimedia layering and everything, the more you go on, it's just like, dude, this game's fucking nuts. It's insane yeah, it, where it goes. Yeah. I mean, it starts off again with that opening with Nightingale. That's like, uh, in the first five minutes, you know this game's going to be way different. The fact that you, you know, for those that care, there this whole episode's going to be spoilers. I don't care. It's your fault you haven't played this. <laughs> yeah. Um, But the fact that you open and you see Nightingale brutally murdered, like, in the first five minutes. And you play and, as him, too. Yeah, and <laughs> he's muttering about stuff that you're just like, okay, what's going on? Then you see, you know, the bookers like finding you at that sequence too, and you're what going on. And then you get your first of many of the jump scares that are peppered through this game, the live action jump scares, uh, which still always get me. Like yeah. I, I I have to marvel at the fact that like these are jump scares, even like I, when I was playing through the final draft, the new game plus. And like that first one with Nightingale, it's like I know it's coming, but it still like jumped me. I was like, oh fuck. Because the um, imagery is like hor- even like not as a jump scare. If you just like sit and look at that image, it's horrifying. Yeah, because like because throughout the game it hits you with that sort of black and white uh, Mr. Scratch being like the evil alter ego of Alan Wake mm-hmm. and his like heads exploding in smoke slash yeah. blood. Yeah, that that image of like when Scratch enters Alan's head, and it's it's shot in how like David Lynch would depict something like that, where it's like you know glitching. When I say glitching, it's not like digital glitch. It's just like you see like Alan's silhouette like spazzing out, and you just see this like black like animated cloud just like you know fraying and growing and shrinking like crazy it's malevolent face it's like a, a bad acid trip yeah and and they do that with a lot of the sort of main taken enemies of the game 
and you know you see their faces for literally a split second it's like probably less than a second when these like jump scares happen but like if you pause it you see these like actors faces are covered in like looks like pus and mud and blood and it's unnerving and and yeah the you know it, it sets you up perfectly and then you know it kind of changes for a bit when you take control of the new character saga anderson and alex casey who is played his facial capture is given to us by the man the myth the legend sam lake and (laughs) he's voiced by james mccaffrey rest in peace um yeah still still so sad that he's gone wild but like you get introduced to this like whole you know very we're going back to like kind of the coziness like coffee drinking haha solving a crime case in the pacific northwest (laughs) like um but yeah like saga i guess we can talk about saga now as a character um because she She, she's the like last of us two controversy of Mm -hmm. just being a black protagonist you know Mm -hmm. in the marketing everyone's like oh i don't Alan Wake has gone Alan woke. We got this this black <laughs> female. <laughs> oh god. Okay. I guess I'll talk about it now. To the people who when this game came out, to the people, and I know maybe like I doubt they're listening, but to this is a call out to I they're everyone, listening. The everyone I saw on the timeline who went out of their way to say that this game sucks is boring who that is you know like you said it's going alan woke you're literally mentally retarded like you like these people legitimately hurt this game like it in sales wise dude i didn't i hate these people like because they were literally taking screenshots out of context and then they were saying oh the game's boring you know you you know there's only two enemies on the walking simulator yeah it's there's only two enemies at the time quote unquote survival horror i'm like you dumbass motherfuckers if anyone who has played alan wake because they want to measure it against control control is a different game it's completely different completely different compare it to the original alan wake this is miles better gameplay wise easily yeah and and the whole two enemies criticism is literally not true because there are instances where you're (laughs) facing three four or five enemies on screen like you have to be the densest motherfucker with an agenda that just hate this game because you saw you saw it on the list of this that that consulting group that like works on games because they're you know a diversity group you're like (laughs) like you are like literally have holes in your brains you're like mentally retarded and you literally are too dumb to understand this game like it's another case where people like people on the internet like these pseudo right-wing gamer accounts have just no idea what they're talking about because they're so firmly staunt like taking a stand against the wokies it's like you're clearly not seeing what is in front of you no, this, guys are um, idiots. These um, this amazing art house game that is like le- leaps and bounds ahead of so many games in so many departments, and instead you focus on like the most retarded shit ever. Like I hate these people so much. 
Yeah. The, the fact that for like a month I had to see these takes. It's like, <laughs> like you, you clearly didn't play the game. You watched the playthrough online. Like, again, it is easy to tell when people don't play games. Like, you can call them out immediately. And I, I wanted to get that out of the way because people, these people ruined this game's chance at like having decent sales. I know this was an Epic Game Store exclusive for PC. I know this was a digital only game. I get it. I'm on that front too. But they're not this... they're not coming from they're not principled on that level. And no. you know, a lot of those people too, it's like I always I always mention the funniest like game review on Amazon, like the one star Amazon review for like it was like for Skyrim, which was I put in 400 hours on this piece of shit game. One review like these <laughs> these people like it's a really weird thing with though there there's a certain subset of gamers who knows how many of them it actually is. It's probably a lot. Who knows? But that are really invested in this shit and then they just complain. That's all they do is complain mm -hmm. and it infects an entire narrative of something being quote unquote woke or bad for whatever reason for you know last of us 2 it was the whole tranny thing who yeah abby it was just abby's abby. not even trans um mm -hmm. that was Grant, retarded granted there is a special transgender and love but there is a trans narrative but even that was like it's not even it, like ob obnoxious about it no that was like dude i'll say like last of us 2 is like the greatest libtard game of all time that's <laughs> it just one of the greatest games of all time uh, yeah i mean and even even there 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 were moments in Alan Wake Two where it, you could almost sense like there was some woke intent behind like Saga, for instance, that was trying to make its way through. But but you could tell that Remedy and Sam Lake, the the director, like they're they primarily just want to make a good game, and they really want to make a great work of art. I mean it. Well, the game yeah. the game says that as like it's like ver its main virtue is like <clears throat> you have to for the for the narrative to progress for Alan Wake's story to move forward ahead the story has to be good. Yeah. So it it, it it values the um conventions of art and storytelling above all else. Yeah, and the woke hand gestures it makes are so fleeting. That like, and really the only thing is at the very end of the game and it's sandwiched in between, as uh, Adam Lair once said, one of the greatest crypto racist pieces of a game, piece of media in a long time. <laughs> but we'll get to that. Um, we'll get but, to that, but there, there's one even earlier with like the bookers who, oh, yeah, the, um, <laughs> the two black witnesses who um, are witness to, the, to Nightingale's murder. ritual murder. And they're, they're the most by far the most unpleasant characters in the game. Like they're yeah, just they're so, annoying. They're annoying in a very identifiably uh, 2010s. You've met, you've met these people. <laughs> yes. They're just snarky. They're entitled for no reason. And they're um, from New York city. I believe if I remember correctly, they're from New York city. Cause you've, <laughs> cause uh, I think you can find, I'm pretty sure it's, you find their room in the lodge. Yeah. And it says that they're from New York city. So it's actually kind of hilarious that this like couple where the girl is trying to get a scoop on her true crime novel and yeah. like her husband is like this like like meek milled or you know meek uh wimpish like guy who looks like 
I don't know. He looks like Jordan Peele at times. He's that cagey animal. The, it, it's funny. I don't think even, I don't even think, um, I feel like that with them, the game was being negative just towards journalists in general. Yeah, and I can see that. They just made him black because the studio they, or whoever was like, we need black characters. Because they're the but, only other black characters in the game. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, granted, the NPCs are in, in Bright Falls, like, but they're NPCs. They don't care. Like, they I don't matter. The, I love the NPCs in this game, too. Um, yeah, they're they're really weird. delightful. Well, because one of the tones of the game is like the game is um, understands itself as a work of artifice. And when it introduces Saga and Alex Casey, who is basically a Max Payne stand in for legal reasons, which which well, technically now it's not a legal reason because Remedy's making Max Payne remakes. So, yeah, <laughs> in a weird way, they kind of do own him again. In a He's his back- own thing. But yeah, we'll. I want yeah. to talk about that one scene with Alex later <laughs> when we get to like Alan segments because yeah, that blew my fucking mind. It oh my, there's so much yeah, but the the when it introduces the two detectives Saga and Alex, like when they in perfect unison like pick up their coffee cup and drink it, it it just hits you with this feeling of like what is reality versus fiction, mm-hmm. um the whole game has this layer of artifice um, where you don't, you never know which side of the two plot lines, which is saga and Alan wake Alan. Who's who's in the quote unquote dark place. Um, you, you know that Alan is not in reality, quote unquote, but even saga's narrative has a, a very tenuous sense of, um, reality where the npcs all the npcs feel like npcs like they they feel like deliberately npc like where it's kind of a hit you over the head that this is a video game and these are like programmed Mm -hmm. creatures and people and Mm -hmm. like it it felt like um when you first go through bright falls it reminded me of like under the silver lake Mm -hmm. (laughs) where um whatever that the main character is in that where he's like just keeps seeing signs of conspiracy around him in like the weird behavior of everyone around him like that's Mm -hmm. how it is as saga when you like just go around the world of bright falls and everyone is just so odd yeah in a way that's like this this feels like there's something going on like there's something deeper and weirder going on yeah and you really get that sense when you meet rose again uh which I love Rose in this. Like she's it's perfect progression from her character from Alan Wake one to this. But like it's a combination of how she acts, but the way her like face is animated where it's like too oh, real. Yeah. Like <laughs> Rose is your first introduction that something's not right in this world. And like there's only a handful of characters who are kind of cognizant of that, and Rose is definitely one of them. But like, yeah, there's like all the NPCs. Like, I remember the one that's like just dancing in the lodge by himself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or there's the two guys in the coffee mascot outfits. Um, yes. There's, yeah, like all the NPCs are so robotic and so computer-like that it is. Re- it's weird, and they all seem 
paranoid themselves where like you'll you'll be walking down the street and there'll be like someone hiding behind a sign looking at someone else across the street yeah it i it's such a neat little detail that like if you don't pay attention you would miss it and rose is funny because she's like um she's the new light light the lamp lady in this basically yes yeah because she um what she in the first game she's like the I guess in the second one, second one too, but she's like the Alan Wake super fan. Yeah. And, and she's, uh, I personally, like, I think the prettiest girl in Twin Peaks, the diner. Yeah. Chick. Um, that that's basically who she is. Yeah. But in Alan Wake too, like she, they really kind of camp her up and, and like, she's even more like psychologically unstable. Yeah. Like whenever she does the thing where like, you talk at you saga talks to her and she like does this thing where she's like you know you know we you know alan has been writing to me in the newspapers you know he's telling <laughs> yeah. like and ryan can see me when i do this but like when she's like you know he's doing this and yeah you know, he's telling like she oh my god this is like where like graphic you know the terafux per giga shit comes into play it, it's what la noir tried to do is like they Rose is exactly uh what they were attempting. It's uncanny and I I, and it's perfect for her. Like everyone else is very well animated and fits perfectly for them, but like Rose is so hyper animated that I love it. Um but yeah, Saga yeah, Saga's story plays out in a very on paper traditional survival horror game. Like you progress, you get like these open-ended areas that you can freely explore and like find all the nursery rhyme puzzles. You can find the Alex Casey lunchboxes to help upgrade your your inventory and your weapons. Yeah, the collectibles. Yeah, which at first I was like, these were interesting. I didn't find them all, so I don't know exactly what the connection is. And same with the nursery rhymes. But I, I do love that Rose, like, I think the, the lunch boxes was like Rose is doing look at that makes sense because um, she because she was right like what you're saying about like Alan Wake was talking to her through newspaper clippings and shit like that, which is funny where it's like she seems like an insane person, but she's actually right. Yeah. That Alan Wake was communicating to her. <laughs> yeah. Or, or I, I guess I guess like spoilers, like it was Mr. Scratch, but yeah, and you know, I love how Alan kind of once again uh you know gaslights her at the end. She's like, what are you talking about, Rose? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh yeah, Mr. Wake, that's you know, secret code. You know, yeah, it's it's great. I I really love Rose in this. She was like such a highlight. She's great. Because um, that the interaction between her and Saga happens very early, where yes. Rose that that's the first like eerie thing with Saga where Saga and Alex are they're, they're sent to Bright Falls to investigate the murder of uh Nightingale. And I guess I guess the very first thing is like that Alex Casey knew Nightingale because out Nightingale's part of the FBI and he was like missing 13 years ago in the same way that Alan Wake was. Oh. And then when they head to Bright Falls to the Oh Dear Diner to interview the witnesses, the bookers, um, that's when Rose is like, see Saga and like, oh my God, Saga, you're back. Like, that's so sad that happened to your daughter who like drowned mm-hmm. in the lake. And Saga's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, <laughs> I was just on the I phone literally with my talk- daughter. Yeah, I was literally yeah. just talking with Logan. 
So and, and then and then Rose's like, oh, that's so sad. This is one of those repressed memory things, huh? <laughs> You're repressing the memory. <laughs> traumatic, traumatic experience. And that's know. like the that's the crux of like um Saga's drama is like the being the, woven into Alan's story because her daughter has been written into the story as as having drowned in the lake. Mm-hmm. And it fucks with you because like towards the end, like so much has happened that like you kind of forget that she talked to that Saga talked to her daughter on the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, so that by the end, they're like, fuck, dude, did she drown? Was well, that just yeah, in her head? Like, I don't know. The It really hits you in the gut when she has that call with her husband. And he's just like, stop calling me. Like you let yeah, our gr- yeah. you let our daughter drown. Yeah, because like you- Saga, her her thing unravels in a way that's like that really, that's like like really creepy, creepy like that. I mean, she's what you're saying about like the Alan woke shit, and, like the criticism towards her. Like she immediately became endearing because she's she, thrown she, into this horrifying case where this guy's heart is ripped out that she has to like investigate. But she's funny because she sees it as a work of fiction where she's like, oh, my God, this is like those mystery stories. This is so un- I can't wait to see what happens next. Like she's she, like she drawn she, into the story. She really fits in with the like world of Alan Wake where like on paper, she comes across as someone who is very like literally like by the books FBI type. But you realize that she also is very much like this world, you know, this town of Bright Falls where she's like talking about Night Springs, you know, the TV show in the in the universe. <laughs> she's like, you know, a coffee fiend and she likes to pet the, you know, the deer uh, taxidermies. Oh, the, yeah. Um, like she. She plays into the world and, you know. The fact, like, there's so many element, like parts of this. Like Saga had, like Alan's gameplay is unique, and we'll get into that. Yeah. But like, as you progress through Saga's stuff, and you deal with the overlaps, where there's parts of the game where Saga crosses basically over into like proto dark place places where she's trying to get more information on the case, and the overlap sections are legitimately one terrifying but this is like the first time a big budget game has tried to do the thing that pt did and Mm -hmm. it's doing it amazingly where i don't know about you but in that first nightingale boss where you're running around the forest and the game you know because games now have ssds and they can load in information lightning fast now Mm -hmm. and it's like you're running around that map and the game is actively like changing the environment on the fly. So it was this was the a horror game where I actually lost track of where I was going. And the overlap segments are just brilliant. They're genius. And I think my personal one favorite was the uh the coffee world one. That one really got to me where you know you go through the well and you're going through this tunnel and then you peer by the lake and you see this cabin and you're climbing back up the mountain and you go back oh, down the well yeah, and yeah. it loops and it keeps getting more and more creepy the where you well start fills with blood and... and then you hear Logan's like crying in yeah. the distance. 
and then by the final loop you do that you see the entire lakes turn to blood and you just hear like you know and then you have all those jump scare twos of the cops and i'm like oh my god this is it was like so much for me i was like god like i'm i feel like i am it's a game that made me feel like i'm not in control that which, i never made the pt connection but that totally makes sense with the loops because yeah, yeah. the, the game hits you not, not hit you over the head sounds negative but like loop is a it's a theme of the game mm-hmm. over and over and the overlaps especially because you have to loop through um mm. that's spe- you know specific segments um that's funny because i was talking to adam lair about this and i like i knew the game was really good from the get-go but like for me where where the game like really was just melting my brain was the overlook hotel on alan wake segment oh yeah and I, I told alan that or adam that and he's like no the first overlap is like what did it for him and i and i i it, i remembered yeah because i when you first like the, the nightingale boss when you go into the overlap and it just it does loop when you go through that that tree and yeah. it just keeps looping um yeah. like that is like it's terrifying because and it- it takes control out of you, which is the one thing as a video game player is that we have control of what we're doing and where we're going. And you have a game that is literally looping you around without you noticing. And it's changing the environment on the fly. And just like, oh, like, and there's this behemoth. It's so delirious and nauseating. And that's, and that's the first time, too, where um, one of my favorite parts of like the game control um was when they would like overlay the sort of live action sort of settings or whatever. And the thing about the overlap too, is that like the overlap is where Saga's narrative overlaps with Alan Wake's in mm-hmm. the dark place. And when you're walking through the tree and then like you keep going through the forest and then like the subway that Alan Wake is at, at that same point in his story, like overlays where you're walking was like that's that was fucking insane mm-hmm. um that was another point where like okay they're like i understand why this game is like pushing uh hardware to it's like it you know yeah major pc now. self major pc self-destruct <laughs> yeah um, it, which which sounds absurd because the game like all remedy games like the gameplay is very simple so yeah like, what the fuck is this game why does it need to be on the next gen? And it's like, oh, they're yeah, it needs that SSD. Purposes. Yeah, it needs that SSD. Yeah, but Saga has I Saga is a very tradition, like a very modern Resident Evil game where you get like these sort of semi big explorable areas where you can find collectibles and all this doodahs and you fight Taken here and there. It's really the overlaps that just like really amp up the sort of terror and all that. Mm-hmm. And I think like, you know, as the story progresses on her end and then you learn she's like, oh, she's the daughter of the old gods of Asgard. That's the, the most first... random connection for for them to like make that connection. Uh, yeah, it's weird, but you, you roll with it. I and, love that so much. And I love the old I love the old gods of Asgard in this like they were fun little like side characters in the original, but like they've taken them to a new level with this one. And the fact that like the, Oh my God, the fucking, the, the, the infirmary level 
by the, the oh, retirement yeah. home. That fucking scares me. That's Saga's scariest part. Yeah, like me. that was terrifying, especially because, like, you know, Rose hands you the key and she was there's like, you know, we just don't go over there. And it's like, oh, fuck. And then you're just going through this like semi hospital setting and everything's oh, abandoned. And you just you get... know you're going to an old folks home. This is like you just know you're in for some scary ass shit. Oh yeah, and then you get jump scared by grandma. Um, <laughs> yeah, which well, that's she... that's the lamp lady, right? Yes, which was yeah. so sad. It was like really depressing for me because she was like, she was like the one character in the original who kind of knew what was going on. Well, because in the original, she's she's the count or she's um. Like in Twin Peaks, there's the log lady, and like yes. the lamp lady is the log lady, and they're in Twin Peaks. That's like the most like innocent, endearing character who's like almost like a prophet. Yeah, and, and they treat her the same in Ellen Wake One. So then she goes evil in in two. Is yeah, like she, she becomes a Taken, and it's heartbreaking because like in the first game, yeah, she was that log lady stand-in, and. She, she was like the one character in the entire town that knew what was going on. And she had done all this stuff to sort of counteract everything. And now to see her fully taken and you find the notes in her room too, like her love with Zane. And it was just like, Oh my God, like it ripped my heart out to see that happen to her. And it, it, it was so way too real if you know what i mean like where yes she's like slips into the bathtub and like she's having these like nightmares while she's in the tub and the water is like corrupting her and it was like it felt really real to how like that part's distressing um because it feels very real to like what old people go through oh yeah and you know the fact that it was you know, the lamp lady just made it worse for me. Two things about the the lamp lady was like, because one of the, the gut punches of Twin Peaks The Return was when it shows the log lady and she's really old and sickly. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, when you see you, you, a lot of those actors you haven't seen since like Twin Peaks of like the early 90s and then now they're old and it really mm-hmm. like hits you with like, you know, mortality and oh fuck we're gonna get old and we're gonna look like that and yeah and then there, there is an aspect with the the lamp lady where it's like it does have the feeling of her her being corrupted by the taken does feel like when you get old and you become susceptible to you could say like evil forces even the way that like old people like fall for like internet scams and shit you know <laughs> yeah it's just it, her whole little story felt just really too real for me you know what i mean yeah and you know, and the fact that they have at the same time going, you have Tor being, you know, trying to basically combating the Taken at the old folks' home. And like that's just it's so well done. And the fact that you have to fight the lot the lamp lady in the overlap too. And that one was just like um and the the imagery too of when you summon the overlapped as well. Like that freaked me yeah. the fuck out with the you know the red light. This is, that's another that thing. Loop. <laughs> that, no, that, that, this is one thing about Alan Wake Two, and I talked with Fogbrain about this, is that this game is not afraid to use like a primary color to set its mood. Mm-hmm. Like 
you see it more in Alan's story, but like they'll just drench this location in just like red lighting or mm-hmm. they'll do it in green lighting. Like it's not afraid to use like, you know, you know, simple lighting techniques to really hammer home a point. And it's like that's overlap where, you know, you see like the overlap effect on the water and the trees are blowing and it's just red light. And it's just like, it's just really unnerving and creepy to experience. And I mean, yeah, it, Saga's journey really feels like you're going down like further and further into this like nightmare. And I think it has a great, her story her side of the story has like these great buildups too, like the fight with scratch, uh, the fight with scratch in the parking lot by the police station. Like that scared the shit out of me when it's revealed that, uh, he's been there the whole time. And, you know, he was just playing saga for the clicker. Mm-hmm. And like, it just was so and the thing is, too, was so creepy. It's like this is going on, like in this little town, and like no one seems like the kind of going back to what you said about the NPCs. Like they're so robotic. It's like they vanish and they don't know that all this is going on. And it's it adds it, it builds and it builds and it builds. And you know, I think this is proper time to talk about Saga's ending because it's such a great great ending where she gets thrown into the dark place by scratch and the game starts to fuck with you because you know throughout the game you enter saga's mind play you know palace where she's able to like piece together clues about various cases going on in bright falls and then she enters her mind palace in the dark place and she's combating all of her like insecurities and her fears while trying to piece together the case and the game just starts like adding in things to the 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 case sports like where am i like who what did you know i failed everyone and then oh yeah yeah all of her insecurities like take over the board yeah then where you have to like basically confront all of her issues that she's like this neurotic like list of like insecurity she has like I let Casey, you know, I let him down. I'm a terrible partner. I'm an awful detective. <laughs> I'm an I'm a terrible mother. I'm a shitty mom. Yeah, yeah. And it's like because Casey gets injured and the the the, the, the mind. It, I was surprised to see that there was like development with the mind palace because it introduces it as like a like a Sherlock Holmes um, mental method of like deduction of like solving clues. And like the only like the only odd thing about it was like the um her intuition mm-hmm. where you would like profile certain people and she oh, would like I just... love the profiling mechanic. It's so like initially because it's like she would just out of nowhere jump to all the right conclusions based on intuition. And it, and at first you're like, yeah, you know what that's how intuition is. But then when it when it shows that she's has a relation to the old guards or the old, old gods, gods of Asgard. Asgard yeah. that oh maybe she's like a a descendant of like Norse mythology and like has this like hidden superpower of like deduction and yeah <laughs> and so, so like her her mind palace is actually like this supernatural 
um, thing inside of her that she can like parse out information on like a supernatural scale. So then, yeah, when you when at, towards the end when she like gets thrown into the dark place, when all of like when she goes from trying to solve like the cult murders to instead trying to like save her daughter from the story story like that becomes her like primary focus she really starts to like unravel so like when you're in her mind palace which is like in her head her like her version of like her mr scratch evil starts to form yeah as these sort of like insecurities in her head um and the thing i love about that too is that it takes a thing that we know which is the mind palace and we've been using it for hours at this point and it starts to take away both a place that is like safe for the player but a place that like hey i find a clue i put it on the board it helps me figure out the story and all that but like you start putting things on there and it starts freaking out and like the thing that got me and you know this ryan I, I was like texting him as I was playing it. <laughs> like when you find, you know, you, you know, he's like, I'm a horrible mother. Like, and it's just this picture of Logan and it just says on the her photo, daughter, yeah. yeah, I, I let her die. And it's just this suddenly as you put it up there, you know, that scratchy jump scare saga appears every time. And a new photo of Logan, it keeps appearing and appearing as you keep putting on the same photo it's just that like it becomes the exposure gets lower and lower and it just keeps oh, saying yeah yeah and it just says i i let her die i let her die i let her die and it's it keeps re- making you repeat this like six times putting the photo up i'm like holy fuck the game's taking control away from me yeah and and another small detail about the mind palace is like you hold over like a clue it shows you like a little description text about like what this is about and when she's dealing with her proto scratch saga self, like she's reading these like clue descriptions and it's like all in caps, like screaming at her about her insecurities and all the things she's done. She's done wrong. It's like, you know, there is no way of saving her. She's dead and it's your fault. You know, <laughs> you're, you're a terrible detective. You just been relying on the manuscripts the whole time. Cause Saga keeps finding manuscripts from Alan's story that kind of predict the future. It's like, you keep relying on these. You're a terrible detective. <laughs> you know, you're a terrible partner to Casey. You let, you shouldn't have brought him with to the, to the lake. You know, it, it's this great unraveling moment and it's kind of incredible. And, you know, I love how you self profile yourself and it's like, going into again all of her insecurities and it's in like this whole setting that's supposed to be safe for the player and again it embraces that it's a video game and it's not afraid of like using this one area that we're so used to and it's like well the rules are out of you know they're completely changed and it's such an amazing moment it's like for me probably it's the best moment of her side of the story yeah like and it end you know and i guess to go in the theme of this dual story i guess we should go back to alan's side of the game mm-hmm. uh alan's side of the game is terrifying like legitimately you called um sagas like more conventionally like resident evil and alan's is 
Silent Hill. It's Silent Hill, and it, and it is sound like it is a basically you can like almost call it like a Silent Hill like sequel. Like it is Silent Hill. Um, down to like every time you go, basically it's like what it's New York City. Um, yeah, is his dark place. Yes, which is again we alluded to this earlier. So like the first. Well, first, before that, you get introduced to the whole TV studio set, like setting that, you know, you're like confronting oh. this entity of Mr. <laughs> of Warland Door, Mr. Door, who who I still don't know who he's supposed to be. Unless I, I feel like um, that I if I had to guess that that was probably supposed to be played by Lance Reddick. I think Lance, so, too. Lance was supposed, like because he was in uh, Quantum Break. And they they recycle a lot of um, that I mean that's the thing too because there's like the the Warland door as the sort of like um, Jimmy Kimmel uh, TV show Robert host. De Niro and yeah. Joker. It's very Joker. Like the whole set studio is clearly Joker. Um, every time Alan's segment starts, it begins in Mister Door's studio, and Alan just enters it like where the fuck am i every time he's like already mid interview yeah and again we alluded to this earlier the fact that sam lake provides the facial the face of alex casey and alex casey is voiced by james mccaffrey who voiced max Payne. and oh yeah in max Payne one sam provided the graphic you know the face of max in game and James voiced Max. The fact that that comes full circle in this, where you know, in the dark place, you see Sam Lake as Alex Casey, and he's talking about the adaptation of Alan's book. Oh, he's uh, um the first time it it's Sam Lake as Sam Lake. Oh yeah, Sam Lake as Sam Lake. So that's the thing about okay. Oh my god, Alex Casey. This is one of the trippiest things about him because Alex Casey is Saga's detective partner, who happens to have the same name as Alan's character in and his profession. Book. <laughs> yeah, in Alan's book series about Alex Casey, which is a loose Max Payne thing. So when they when they go to Mister Door's show, the first time it like shows Sam Lake there, it's Sam Lake himself talking about himself as the actor who plays. Alex, Alex Casey in the the TV movie. show adaptation or movie adaptation of like the character that Alan Wake created. It's it's so it's so fucking bonkers. Well, and I love this. It's like Sam Lake is sitting there playing a character named Sam Lake as he's <laughs> being interviewed. Who is sharing the stage with Alan Wake, a character who Sam Lake, the real person, wrote, and Alan Wake wrote a book series about. Alex Casey, who's Max Payne, who Sam Lake portrays in the video game. Yeah. It's this biz- layers on layers on layers on layers. Just like it's kind of funny. It's really funny if you're a Max Payne fan because Sam does the face. And oh, yeah. He does the face in the game. <laughs> yeah. It, it's so funny. That's the um, thing, too, is um, it, I mean, this goes all the way back to Max Payne, where this show takes place in New York City and in Max Payne the game there's tv shows what the fuck is it called um night springs no it's the one that plays with the with the flamingo oh uh, god i'm 
I'm blanking. Um, I'm going to find it because this is, this was the trippiest thing because I, again, for real, I, when we were doing our remedy month, I probably played Max Payne like a hundred times. I, I just kept replaying it over and over. Now your brain's uh, occupied by Alan Wake stuff. Yeah. There's that TV show where, okay, well in the TV show, in unknown the game, address. Max, yes. Unknown address. So in unknown address, it's about this guy whose doppelganger is in what's called noir york no. city yeah <laughs> who is it, it basically it's like his mr scratch so like it's the all these ideas were brewing since like max Payne, since their very first game and yeah I, it... I don't know if it's real or not but like when james mccaffrey the voice of max Payne, died someone was sharing a clip of one of those like comic book stills of max Payne one where he max Payne was saying that he was in a dark place <laughs> all right and it's like okay this shit <laughs> these are like ideas that were like brewing since the beginning yeah but was... basically like that that tv show unknown address is what alan wake's narrative like his his storyline is in alan wake 2 where he's like he's basically in this like alter new york city noir york city which is essentially like a silent hill map of like yeah. different buildings you have to travel to for each level yeah Mm -hmm. um um i just want to mention real quickly just like there's a scene the first level of alan when you're exploring the city landscape trying to get into the subway station and you encounter alex casey the the character and it is literally max Payne monologues like for a yes. solid like 30 minutes and it is it is incredible to experience that brand new Max Payne monologues written by Sam and this is like literally 20 years after the fact that Max Payne 2 when Remedy last was making a Max Payne game and to see that and then like you have again those live action you know superimposed video FMV things in the game world you're seeing like you know Sam Lake, Alex Casey character, Alan Wake's Alex Casey, mm-hmm. and you're just seeing all these monologues, and you're just like seeing all these like FMVs of him just like looking into the city, and they're just like for me as a Max Payne fan, and I'm sure you felt the same way. I was like, I'm home. Like this is oh my god, yeah. And but yeah, I love how Alan's. Yeah, Alan Wake is Silent Hill, the saga is Resident Evil. And mm-hmm. Alan has that mechanic with the light the the lights switch that literally changes the entire landscape of certain areas. And he's like trying to write different parts of a story into these levels and it changes the levels. And sometimes it will result in some terrifying imagery at the same time. Cause you know it's like swapping out completely different assets on the fly. And in that subway level where you had to swap out, uh, you had to write in the sequence where you have to crawl through the train as like people burn to death and you hear their screaming. (laughs) I was like, Holy fuck. And he's, he's working out. You're basically working out the creative process in real time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it, it's funny because if you're putting it into words it sounds corny but it's like he's like it's this illumination like he's illuminating he's bringing light to 
um, these dark regions of like his his subconscious to like mine out a good story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's what okay. there's like that that Kanye line from um, what's that that song where he like fantasizes about killing K- Kim Kardashian? I can't uh, remember. The, the darkest thoughts are always besides, or the, the most beautiful thoughts are always besides the darkest. I thought about mm. killing you today. Yeah. But that, I mean, that's how that, that is how it is. Like the most beautiful thoughts are beside the darkest. Like it, it, it seems to like take that idea as a like game mechanic where for him to, pro, for Alan Wake to progress through the silent Hill landscape of noir York city, he has to like, he, he I- goes through like a subway system or hotel and he has to like make it, darker because that that's what makes a good story to like reach mm-hmm. his his goal or and you know correct me if i'm wrong when he's doing these whole levels and segments he's not writing for the story that he's the return story that he's trying to edit on the fly to get back to reality he's just like editing like a story that is happening on the fly, like in his own creation, basically, if that's right. I'm trying to remember. I couldn't it's... remember that. Cause that's where, that's where I got hung up where Alex Casey in saga storyline, it, it kind of like plays with the idea of like what it, it's like a chicken and the egg thing or like what inspired what did like, was there a real life Alex Casey mm-hmm. who's a product of, alan wake's imagination or, or Who, I, I, I don't know because like i think it leaves that open-ended where what inspired what and and what you're saying maybe is in our pre-recording where the in the overlap sequences where saga's storyline overlaps with alan's and mm-hmm. i'm sure if you were to follow the lines it does create a chicken egg thing where it's what was the inspiration to what because mm-hmm. Alan, Alan kind of like the way Saga's Saga has her case board where she like sets up the clues and then she has her profiling thing with, with the intuition. Alan has his own sort of mind palace where he has to like work out storyboard ideas. So instead yeah. of like a case board of clues, he has a storyboard where he has to work out a good story. Yeah. And he has to kind of rely on intuition himself and, I, I don't know. I have to replay it again, but it seems like some of his intuition came from the real world as well. Yeah. The, the, it just overlaps in a really strange way where it's like they're really fucking with you in terms of like the fact fiction and the way mm-hmm. they overlap and, mm-hmm. and the way they, oh my God, the way it's like a game mechanic is just the, the most insane thing. But yeah, that the, the whole, both sagas overlap sequences and Alan doing the storyboarding segment they they show off what next generation is in terms of gaming like the fact that you can on the fly or swapping reality is like mind-bending to me and mm-hmm. one little detail I love is when alan like you swap his storyboards around and you just see that like fmv overlay of him typing on the typewriter yeah like that's yeah. such a little detail that i always loved whenever i had to swap a storyboard out but yeah, Alan, each Alan level, because I think there's what? There's there's the subway, there's the hotel, hotel then and there's then the theater. theater. Is that the three, right? Those are the three. Those are the three, level. and then he like intermittently returns to the Overlook um, Hotel. Or no, that the, the, the apartments where like Alice, his wife, is 
has videos for him. Well, I mean, that's essentially what his real life apartment is, right? Yeah, it's you, supposed to be a stand. You walk through that apartment in Alan Wake 1. Yes. But yeah, each Alan level is it progressively gets more and more disturbing as it goes on. Like the Overlook Hotel terrified me. That was the scariest shit. That was it's the, it's, it's the oh over I can't remember the hotel name. It's not Overlook, right? Or I think it's it? Overlook. It is. Yeah. Okay. That, um, to me, the I I love um I think Silent Hill one is my favorite of the Silent Hills because of the hotel sequence in the that game. Mm-hmm. Be, partly because it's just so fucking aggravating. And, <laughs> because it's just like it's just such a maze and in the PS1 graphic texture, like you you just don't know hurts your eyes. Yeah. And um, it, that was the most like of they were clearly paying homage to that hotel sequence because in in the Overlook Hotel, you would like go through one door, then end up on some other side of like the whatever level of the map. Which was messed with my mind. It yes. That yeah. that was and then the second thing about that where I, I feel like um, us having done Remedy Month, I don't know if I would have picked up on this otherwise, but in Max Payne 1, um, one of the, when you're like chasing down the Italian mobsters, mm-hmm. you, ha- you, at one point you have to like use a passcode to like get into some, some room, whatever. And you have to like hold the sky hostage to say the, the passcode, which is 665, neighbor of the beast. Mm-hmm. And that phrase neighbor the B665 like is a recurrent thing in Remedy. And in Overlook Hotel, you through your um your make a story thing that Ellen Wake does, you like you make the hotel more and more like horrific and just like full of like blood and bodies until eventually you get to like just 666. And mm-hmm. I I could be wrong, but I think it's the first time Remedy like actually had 666. I think it is too. So, like in in the games, like they keep referencing neighbor the beast six six five. Then finally, in like the most horrific sequence in Alan Wake two, you finally get to six six six. And in it, and in the game too, it feels like you're in like the fucking belly. The, you're in hell. Like you are there because it like, like the hotel has, has shows signs of like a, you know because the whole frame is like they had a play a play that they were doing live and it turned it to be like a ritualistic murder site basically which by the yeah. way i love how like alan incorporates in the storyboards like characters that are in the real world like the i forget his name the husband booker uh is like telling mm-hmm. the story in the in these like beautiful silhouette fmvs mm-hmm. over top everything and i love how like characters from saga side get or- incorporated into Alan's own creations that he's trying to navigate. Yeah. And like each, each time Alan has to do a storyboard swap, there's something more creepy and terrifying in this level in it, Ugh. in it, in it, in it, uh, reaches its climax when you do the final one and the entire hotel's covered in blood and you just see bodies piled up and then you have to climb all the way up that staircase. Yeah, oh, it's... that's the other thing too, because the stair, because you have a map of mm-hmm. each level, and you get to the hotel, and on the map it shows like that staircase, but you, mm-hmm. there's no way to access it until 
until you uh, get that final storyboard. Horrific, blood filled, you know, satanic yeah. ending. And suddenly that, that, that like a uh, um, stairwell opens up and it, like it goes all the way up and all the way down. You're like, Jesus, dude, this, this thing goes all the way to hell. Uh, that was, that, that was um, the reason too that, that also is like, for me, this was the moment where, like I knew the game was like good on a, on another level, but this was the moment where I was like, this game is, this is a masterpiece, and this is like moving, this is like set the new bar, like the new standard is when, right before this sequence is when it, it hits you with the that awesome like concert, you know. Oh scene. yeah, we <laughs> like, forgot about that. That's its own discussion, like, and we should have that. But like, um, when one of you know this sequence opens up with like Alan, and you're you're moving through this incredible concert which in alan wake one there's like the light show which is incredible that you have to like mm -hmm. play through and you're like how are they how are they gonna follow this up and then they do times a yeah. hundred and then after like I, I went through that concert sequence i was like god dude that was like the peak of this game how are they gonna follow that up and then they followed up with the overlook hotel which mm -hmm. is horrifying and it's just so delirious and then you get to thomas zane's rune room the yep. poet oh yeah 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 and that turns into like a, this weird like goofy fear and loathing <laughs> like uh alan wake had this whole like part and and they, they show this in like live action where like the actor who plays alan wake is like getting drunk and fucked up and partying and, and mind you the lot the the guy who is playing the face of Alan, his facial, his face actor, mm -hmm. is playing Zane Thomas Zane also, and yes. he's just like in like rocker guy, like long hair, and it was so, like I was just so happy because I love how that guy's just like consistently. Just oh like, my god! Um, that that's... that they that they followed that that part up with with Zane after the concert. And it was still just like, what the fuck is going on? Was like, okay, this game is, this game is insane. <laughs> yeah, that level, that whole hotel level is just, it's peak gaming. And another thing, again, that I love, I mean, okay, correct me if I'm wrong again, but in the theater level, did they bookend the level with a runaway from scratch uh, moment? I can't remember. I don't remember. I don't um, but in the first two levels, the subway and the hotel, you have genuinely one of the like terrifying moments where instead of a boss fight, you have a runaway from Mr. Scratch segment that like literally shit made me just like lose my mind. Cause like <laughs> Scratch is like in these levels is just like this nebulous, like David Lynch blob of like just noise and screaming and just like scribble like cgi scribble like basically chasing after you through this whole level and just destroying parts of it and you have to like yeah remember like where you're going too like and some of these levels are huge yeah. like the the hotel is a big level and you have to remember you know how do i get back down uh down the level how do i you know remember my you know how i get from point a to point b while not like getting lost and getting killed by scratch. It's so terrifying. Um uh yeah, then the the theater level 
which has Sam Lake's most insane creative decision I've ever seen, <laughs> where he where he shot a short film that is like the central sort of main theme of the game of this level. And after you beat that level, you can watch the movie. You can watch the movie in its entirety from start to finish. And it's like 15, 20 minutes long. And I'm and like, it's not like you like sit in the chair and like the camera zooms in on the screen. It's like, you're just watching it over Alan Alan's shoulder. shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that theater level is like, also that's a scary level too that's yes yeah because like it's not as like overt as like the hotel level is it's a lot more subtle i think yeah like granted you have the lobby area that like gets progressively more and more creepy where it's like i have to write in the guy like killing someone in the in the you know in the kitchen and all that then you like swapping in like a creepy like theater crowd watching a movie and oh, and some of them like stand up and attack you yes it's yeah. so good and then like you go to the outside and there's a police like uh wrapped off area and you like see blood in like a, a vent on the ground yeah. and i think oh wait hold on i think there might have been a scratch segment because like there's one point you have to like run away from him like on that lat that stairway up i think i can't i'm i'm trying to I remember. remember that i feel like that point was um that was when i was most like I, I i need to finish this game and like i got over like collecting things and just kind of cruise through yeah i mean and there's a lot of collectibles like i even on alan's side there's a lot to like find and Again, beating a game, I'm all for it. 100%ing a game, I am not all for it. And thank God this game's new game plus final draft ending does not require any of that. Thank yeah. goodness. Um, but yeah, like Alan's whole side of the story is him trying to like get out of the dark place and rewriting Scratch's story. Uh, and I love how while Saga is a very linear story, Alan is like a spiral, which he confirms at the end. Yeah, and I love how big. there's this whole there's this whole dynamic of like Saga and Alan meet each other in the overlap, but they're not at the same time. So like when Saga first meets Alan, Alan's like already gone through the spiral a few times, like once. And mm-hmm. they're like they're trying to explain each other in like broken sentences what's going on, but they're not on the same page. And by the end of it, Saga's like this is what I'm going to do. And Alex already, Alan's already like just started the spiral. It's like this yeah. great, it's such a, again, it's like a mind fuck where you're that's just like, a wild part. Cause like saga, like kind of hates him by the end. Cause yeah. she's like, why the fuck did you write my daughter in? Yeah. You know? It's, it's, Oh my God. Like trying to piece every part of this game's story. Like I feel like my head's spinning right now, but like, that's the whole point. It, <laughs> It feels like this like deep descent into the madness of creation, like yeah. creating art itself. And I'm like thinking on it, you know, especially with the ending, which fucking like blew my mind. Like mm-hmm. where it's like at first the ending is like you killing or you know, Saga shooting the light bullet into Alan. And you're just like, oh, wait, he's dead. And you're left on this cliffhanger. But like, no, 
the but... literal the literal act of a new game plus is parted rewritten into the story of yeah. it's a spiral and now Alan knows what everything he needs to know and like it delivers yeah because way... the, fir- the first image you get is like him with that bullet in his head and mm-hmm. yeah which feels very like Max Payne 2 where they open on that yeah. graphic novel image of Mona and he realized by the end oh Mona's in your arms dying and well, by the end too like you're you're you are like really invested in like is is saga going to be able to like save her daughter or not and it doesn't give you that much in the way that like twin peaks you know return ends with like laura palmer just laura palmer just screaming <laughs> and you're like what the fuck do i do with that like <laughs> what is what does that mean <laughs> yeah i mean it's such like just a mind fuck but it's so encapsulates just like the process of like unraveling this whole narrative entity and i think the biggest sort of like i I guess i want to talk about alice because you said alice was like the best part of the game for you that before that the alice thing i I gotta clear my conscience on alan or alan wake one episode um (laughs) Because I, I called uh, I called Sam Lake a liar <laughs> for for quoting like Brett Easton Ellis as an inspiration, mm-hmm. but one of our mutuals, Michael, I don't know his his uh, I guess X at now. Um, he said that it probably came that probably came from Lunar Park, um, which is like Brett Easton Ellis's uh, sort of like meta novel where he like writes about himself in an Alan Wake sort of way mm-hmm. so that that's probably where he like derived the, the oh I'm the, sure yeah so it's, I'm sorry I'm sorry Sam that's fine no, I, <laughs> Alice I want to mention Alice real briefly just because she is a m- massive leap ahead of what she was in the first game and while not being in the game world, she plays such a huge part in this, and she is such a fascinating character in this one, where instead of being like portrayed as this like grieving widow per se, she's a jealous bitch of like yeah. Alan taking on more fame after his disappearance and how she then becomes an artist herself to sort of like initially you're just like oh she's like coping to the max in like in a way that's like uh different but also in character for her where it's just like this jealousy yeah they're an art couple <laughs> and <laughs> she's the art ho gf <laughs> well and she's in 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 this Ellen Wake too, it's like um, it does it. She's live action throughout, right? It only shows yeah. like the actress, yeah. Mm-hmm. That Ellen Wake sees through those like projections, um, mm-hmm. and she just looks so sad and like just so depressed and defeated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, she's she's a mess by the end. But uh, granted, I feel like you get a sense of where she's coming from at the end, and ultimately. 
it is this like kind of touching thing where she's ultimately trying her best to get Alan out through this like convoluted or not convoluted, but just like backwards way of getting him to finally enact what he has to do, which ties it all in. It's like, as he continues down the spiral at the very bottom, he's led to believe that, you know, Alice has committed suicide and, I told you this, but it's like those photos she shows of like her final art piece of her jumping off a cliff, like mm-hmm. still are unnerving to me. Like they, they look like something you would see on the dark web. Yeah. It's because it, it has that like David Lynch again, like Lynch is a huge influence where it's like, it looks like CG, but it's like still real looking. So just like completely messes with your head you know what i mean yeah what's interesting too is um i'm I'm looking at the whatever wiki thing of the dark place documentary that alice wake her photography or whatever and like her photography is basically a lot of it is pictures of ellen wake but like uh inverted so it's like yeah the black and white is inverted or whatever, mm-hmm. which almost feels like she, cause like Mr. Scratch is like the inversion of Ellen wake. So it's like she summoned Mr. Scratch in a sense mm-hmm. artistically. And, and funny enough, cause like part of her whole thing, like what you're saying is like, she's, she's the inferior artist, which comes with a lot of um, envy and jealousy towards her husband. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny that her greatest project is, uh, these photos that are, are inversions of her husband that are horrifying, mm-hmm. um, that she does to help him. Cause part of her resentment is that she knows Alan's more successful for his, his, uh, novels and she's like a visual artist or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she, there, one of, I can't remember if you read it or if she says it, but like she starts, she kind of resents him because he seems to know that she's not, she's struggling or she's inferior to him. So he kind of like uses his celebrity to help her out and to give her gallery space or attention that she wouldn't deserve on her or earn on her own. Mm -hmm. Um, So she like, he's kind of a, in a loving way, like helping her out, but it just makes her feel like more of a fraud. Yeah. So so it's funny that her like great project is the thing that helps him is also like, it's actually quite cool. (laughs) Like good. Yeah. Yeah, She, she's such a, because she was more or less just like loving wife in the original, like nothing more, nothing less with like a fear of the dark. Mm -hmm. But I love how, in a way her being has been kind of flipped where she enters the dark place merely to sort of help Alan get out. It's such a great moment. And I don't know, it's such, again, it just adds to that silent Hill whole aesthetic that Alan's levels live in. And yeah, yeah, I mean, it's Silent Hill too is like, um, my wife, my wife. Yeah. (laughs) My, my, my guilt for my wife. <laughs> we mentioned this in in the first in Ellen Wake one one where, um, 
she in Alan Wake one, she brings him to Bright Falls because of there's there's the um the psychiatrist there who specializes in artists, you mm-hmm. know, and their psychological problems. And that's when he like flips out when she like reveals that to him because he gets upset that like she's trying to help him out mm-hmm. and that makes him like feel like less of a man or something <laughs> like yeah <laughs> um that's like a funny thing i don't know that's a funny thing that lends into like that she actually helps him out in all in wake too mm-hmm. um it yeah i mean alan's segments really are mind fucky in a way that like i haven't really seen since silent hill did it and it's so yeah. cool to see these ideas brought back in such a large scale game because we've been in such a dire need for like a psychological horror game like this and the fact that we get that and a survival horror game mixed into at the same time like it's like oh my god this is kino like this is like a work of art and uh before we wrap up i we have to give credit to the old gods of Asgard musical segment that acts as a literal plot summary of Alan Wake one <laughs> that where again, uh, old gods of Asgard, which is portrayed by poets of the fall, a rock band from Finland who have been a part of basically every remedy game since Max Payne two, uh, they have a whole musical segment that is dedicated to recapping Alan's life growing up and this the events of Alan Wake 2 in a big stage musical where you are flooded with uh, video footage of Alan real life, you know, the FMV of Mr. Door, Alan Wake. Uh, and, and, the, and Sam Lake. <laughs> Sam Lake too, and the band members like all dancing along to a really corny musical set on this like ginormous soundstage and it gets better. Yeah. The Herald of darkness (laughs) and it it somehow gets better and better and better with each segment. I just have to mention that because it's so unreal to experience. Like you just, because it comes out of nowhere. It's like, we're going to recap your life in musical it's like it, it just keeps going too. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a, it's like a ten minute segment. Like if yeah. you're really if you're you know going your a slow pace, and they even mix combat in too. It's like goddamn, like this game is so fucking good. It's so cool. <laughs> it's the same as um the whatever song they use in Max Payne too. That long like, goodbye, long goodbye. Yeah, <laughs> that like NPCs will just be humming. Throughout yeah. the entire game, because Mister Mister Audie, the janitor, will like will just be humming this game or this song, Herald of Darkness. Yeah, it's just so fun. Audie, I love seeing Audie in this game. Yeah. It just adds more to like the what the fuck is he doing? What? <laughs> yeah. Who is he and what is he doing? Because yeah. he's in control, and it's like, what is he doing here? I yeah. love that. I I love that he's here, and I love that he's in the fake the the movie by Thomas Zane. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? This is like, who are you and what are you doing? You're some yeah. sort of supernatural being, but like, who? Um, yeah, and he's like pretty chill about everything. Yeah, he's, he just brushes off everything like it's just no big deal. It's he's like, the okay. janitor. He just like cleans up the mess. Fucking, yeah, Cthulhu mess. <laughs> yeah, and 
upstate West Washington. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I love how also they incorporate, much like the original Alan Wake, the like end of chapter songs, and they all kind of tie mm. into the different plot beats of the game too. It's yeah, top to bottom, I guess, to put a bow on this discussion, because this is almost like, feel like three hours long at this point <laughs> but that, that this game needed a th- this marathon of a discussion this game is like nothing i've played before really is no. it's, it's incredible it's this weird art house survival horror psychological horror part musical part like hokey comedy at times part like narrative experience cinematic game i mean there's nothing like this there really isn't i I, you and i knew that alan wake 2 would at least satisfy us as fans but Mm. i don't i don't think i expected this in my wildest Um, dreams no i didn't think it'd be this good it's like again i didn't think it would go to the the places it went i didn't think it'd be as goofy while also being as scary yeah like it's everything at once um It, it does so much um like i'm is this really does feel like this is the game remedy has been working towards for 20 years i mean crazy too in the lodge too i found that they actually have an arcade machine of remedy's first ever game death rally in the, in the uh, lodge <laughs> no no way a, yeah no really you can um you know when you enter the lodge and there's the side on the right and then there's the rooms on the left? There's a room that you can enter that has an arcade machine that is Death Rally, which was Remedy's first game in the 90s. Wow. You can't play it, sadly, but as, as far as I know, you can't play it. But the fact that that's in there is crazy. But this Alan Wake 2 feels like this game that has been in the works to some capacity for the last 20 years and it blows my mind that it came together so perfectly. Yeah, absolutely. And don't listen to the contrarians who want to make some stupid point about Alan Wake 2. Like I know that I have been a champion of physical copies and I still am, but at a certain point you can't miss a game like this. You really can't because this is a, this is a generation defining game, I think. And I think I, so. This this proves everything I think we've we've you and I have mentioned about Sam Lake. He's one of the best creators in gaming. I'm mm-hmm. I'm happy to see this man finally get his flowers because you can tell that this man is so inspired to make things that are not like just make things like he's a Kojima like, you know, we're absolutely he, he absorbs everything in and wants to create things that are new and exciting. Mm-hmm. And it's just so I'm so happy to see him like on the stage and finally getting the recognition he deserves. And <clears throat> that silly Finnish man with the goofy, <laughs> goofy smirk. He's finally done it. And yeah, I, I even aside from gaming, I think he's the, He's just the greatest artist of 2023. I think he's... Yeah, I mean, I would make a case that Alan Wake 2 was probably the best piece of media that came out last year. Absolutely. It's kind of insane. Like, the man the man made a game that is both, like, a video game, but also more than just a video game. And 
I mean, at a certain point, you and I can only say so much about this. And granted, we have gone through a lot about this game, and <laughs> I don't. Even, we didn't even scratch the surface. I think about all of it. No, there's um, there's still so much, but I mean, there's the 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 brothers commercials. Oh God, dude, would even talk about them. They're they're a wonderful little duo. Uh, this like uh libertarian Finnish guys who do these really hokey commercials about promoting whatever product they're trying to sell. <laughs> so the first one was like uh first one was the coffee, right? The first one was about the very first one. Oh, the was, nature um, walks. The nature walks and the, the biggest sell was like government fuck you know, the government, government land. And they're like, yeah, fuck the government. Then they talk about their like Sounds like a sleazy car salesman amusement park that is centered around coffee. The coffee world. And yeah. and they're also like the head of like the cult of the tree. Yeah, the cult of the tree. Which which turns out to actually be good. Yeah, which is just one big ruse, and it's just like, oh yeah, okay. Like I knew they were yeah. good guys. Saga's this... whole like uh detective case thing initially is like, oh, these are actually the good guys, and <laughs> yeah, it's all one big ruse. It's yeah. God, they're such a joy, and I always like as soon as I hear like their heavy Finnish accents, like I just I have to find where which TV's playing their commercial and just like sit my ass down and watch. They're like the perfect like scumbag European <laughs> entrepreneurs. Just, but like it's so on the nose. Their commercials, it's so endearing and so charming. Mm-hmm. Like just. You know, I like the beer one where it's just like you can drink <laughs> when you drink beer and you go home and take your shirt off like a slob. Yeah. <laughs> so dumb, but it's so funny. And it's sad too when like Scratch takes over Bright Falls in his nightmare world. Granted, it looks like paradise. And like you see, I love his... that Scratch's nightmare version of Bright Falls is like really positive. And um, it's like egotistical, like his when he takes over, it's like Bright Falls is just like they're all just sucking Alan Wake's dick. So it's like that's yeah, that is like the sort of like the dark side of you that you you're the center of the universe. And uh, Mr. Scratch is this like egomaniac, egomaniac Alan Wake. Yeah. Which- you know, comes from Alan's own things that he felt in the original, which is great. I love it. Yeah, um, it's the complete opposite of of the Overlook Hotel, where Alan takes you to like the most darkest depths of hell, but then Mister Scratch takes you to this like paradise of it's the only time ev- the game is like set in bright sunlight. Yeah, exactly. That was really cool. Yeah, and I love the final commercial. It's sad because like, um yako dies i think <laughs> the brothers commercial <laughs> yeah. yeah he dies from scratch and like ilmo is doing his like review of alan wake's return and you know normally where yako is you just see a faint silhouette of him and he's just it like just, it just settles on him yeah it's just like <laughs> yeah buy it now it's like it's, <laughs> right. uh yeah but please everyone buy this game this is my game of the year hands down i thought it would be re4 remake or final fantasy 16 for most of the year but this game came out of left field and oh, crushed the competition it's a one-of-a-kind game there's probably never credit to epic games for publishing this and giving them the money they needed because hot yeah, damn no shit. 
Like, this is a masterpiece of a game, and probably, even though tonight I'm going to go to bed after we finish recording, I'm going to play this more this week because I have to just keep playing, even though, like, I know what's going to happen. I just have to keep playing. I have to keep being immersed in this. So I thank you, Ryan, for joining me six time tom brady style oh my god thank you yeah uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get you your final tom brady. Champ- <laughs> your, get your final championship ring on the next episode um but thank, thank you once you. again for one more remedy adventure um but yeah i think that is a lovely place to say stop